0: your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply but that's what pisses me off the most joe because you know my wife You know my kids, and long before, this was the house that AJ Styles built. We both shared the cockroach infested apartment complex and shared stale pizza together, and within a matter of minutes, you threw it all away. Over a decade of friendship, you threw it all away in a matter of seconds, because you mentioned my family name. At SummerSlam, Joe, you're not walking out the WWE champion. In fact, you'll be lucky to walk out
1: at all, period. As if they don't have too much on their plate. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Way. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. We want to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind SmackDown. It is Rewind to Smackdown. The show that you have downloaded is, in fact, the show we are presenting to you. A show dedicated to Smackdown. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. Hi, Wei. How's it going? It's going superb. It's another Tuesday night. Uh, it's extremely hot this time of the year in Toronto. Hot and wet. Yeah, there's been a lot of rain of late. I got caught in the rain the other day riding my bike home. It was not fun. Dude, I got caught. In it, like, in my
0: bathing suit. Perfect. Well, it kind of was, but not really. Okay, so I'll tell you what happened. So I I, I went to, um, are you familiar with Wet and Wild Toronto? Yes. This uh, theme park, water park? Uh Uh-huh. I believe it is formerly, like, the Wild Water Kingdom or something. Anyway, so I decided to go to this thing with, you know, with my family on Monday And like, we're enjoying ourselves. It's sunny. It's a nice hot day. And then like, we're there for like, maybe like two and a half hours. And then all of a sudden the clouds start getting dark and I'm like, okay, well, you know, this, the forecast says one millimeter of rain. So maybe we'll just kind of wait this out and then we'll just, you know, go on with our day, get on some, some water slides. I've yet to try the, uh, the, the typhoon. So, I, I still was looking forward to that. I wanted to, you know, I was looking forward to sitting in an inner tube, going down the lazy river. I wanted to do all this stuff. But then, like, all of a sudden, like, this, they shut everything down. Like, we're in line waiting for these things, and they shut these rides down because they say, in the event of a thunderstorm, they have to shut the park down for fear that, you know, people could get electrocuted, I suppose, with all this water around. So, you know, we're we're just kind of taking cover. I didn't even think about, like... I'm like, you well, know, what are we doing here? We're in a water park. What's a little bit of rain? Like, why is everybody taking shelter? And then it just came pouring down. And it did not stop. And it wasn't one millimeter meter of rain here. This was like... It was like a... It was like I was in Twister. That movie. And, like, it was such a weird scene. Because here we are in this water park. Where there's basically very little shelter. to take To take from actual rain. And then, like... All the people that went to this park were all just kind of hiding underneath, like, these beach umbrellas and, like, these little, like, huts designed, like, for nothing. And and this rain just kept pouring down. And everybody's screaming. The children are screaming. It started lightning. Uh, it was cold. That was the worst part. Obviously, it wasn't about getting wet at wet and wild. But it, it, mm-hmm. was, it was just cold. And here we, here we are. Everybody's, like, in their bathing suit. Uh, the I can't go to the change rooms because like those entrances are blocked because there's they're already full so we just had to like bear this terrible terrible um monsoon it, like out in our underwear essentially so it really sucked and uh they ended up not opening the park back anyway because it still continued to rain so um we left that thing Anyway, was not a great experience,
1: but however it was very much wet and wild. <laughs> it sounds it was incredibly wild. Well, I I had to ride my bike home for 10 minutes in the rain. It was uh it was wet, not so wild, but it doesn't seem as harrowing as your experience on Monday with this rain. They were calling for rain actually on Tuesday and I don't think it ever came.
0: Uh, a little bit. It did it a little bit. And I believe actually Uh, some, I was told that it, it it was raining pretty hard during SmackDown as well, but.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm in a cave, so I was not aware of anything that, that was happening, uh, outside. We could all hear it on, on your end. On Monday night, you were being just bombarded with rain. Mm -hmm. That's right, yeah. I thought there was an earthquake going on or something, but anyway, we have a lot to get into, uh, for those of you that are tuned into this show, we have a second show. Coming out tonight for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. It is a new night of the week for the Double Shot. And what can people look forward to on the Double Shot tonight, Way.
0: Well, uh, we'll be going through the latest edition of Being the Elite, which featured the big announcement of their broadcasting. As well as uh, some cameo appearances from uh, Billy Gunn. Maybe even uh, Diamond Dallas Page.
1: There were a lot of cameos this week, a lot of announcements, a lot of news coming out of uh, the all-in crew, so we will be going through that, as well as last week's episode of Lucha Underground, which, since I announced that on Monday night, I've heard from quite a few people. Uh, By quite a few, uh, I can count it on one hand. That is what I consider quite a few of people that were excited that I'm going to chat about Lucha Underground, a show that it seems people are watching, some of them are, but you don't hear too much chatter about Lucha Underground, but that will change on the double shot, uh, tonight, which you can go download as you're listening to this. So all of that is coming up. Not, not
0: exactly as you're listening to it. I would say maybe like, wait, like, uh, I don't know, five hours.
1: No, you can download it as you're listening to this. You can, you can multitask. Don't turn the show off, but you can download and have this ready. So as soon as this is over, boom, you just put on more of us. Well, I mean, I won't necessarily have it edited and uploaded right as this show is available is what I mean. Most people, by the time they're listening to this, I'm sure, I'm sure it's around there. And if not, well, you, you just got to wait a little. Okay. Yeah. No one at 4am is, is dissecting any of this. Let us get into some news, uh, from the day. Uh, you can of course always go to dot com for all of the, uh, the latest news and a lot of discussion coming out of Raw's viewership on Monday night way. Uh, Because this was, of course, Ronda Rousey's first match on Raw. And the three-hour episode did about 2.8 million viewers, which is down 3% from last week. Uh, But everyone focusing specifically on the third hour uh, that featured the Ronda Rousey-Alicia Fox match. And the third hour uh, slightly down from last week's third hour, which I would say some people, I myself somewhat surprised by I thought this was going to have a much bigger jump for Roth than it ended up having however uh, and this was interesting I did hear from someone at the WWE and this is the data from their internal like ratings breakdown um, that they get within the company and this person was telling me that uh, who can see the quarter hours which we don't get anymore we used to always get those in the observer Uh, But the quarter hours aren't available anymore, so you don't really get a sense of what matches people are tuning in for, what they're tuning out for. So in the WWE's report, uh, the lowest point of the show came at the 10.30 to 10.45 quarter, which featured that women's tag match with the Riot Squad against Bayley and Sasha, which I feel is just more indicative of being in that third hour, much less than the participants. Then from 10.45 to 11 p.m., it rose to a... A 2.2 rating, and then the overrun was listed at doing a 2.5. So when you break that down, it does look like Rousey and Fox did gain viewership uh, for for that overrun segment. Also, something that I found interesting in the you know just seeing this data, um, Wade Keller had reported that the show as a whole did a 1.96, whereas the WWE's report listed the show as doing a 2.2. But they still have the same. Amount of viewers. It's just the rating number that is off. So, my impression is that internally in the WWE, they have a different number of homes that the USA Network is in because that's how you calculate the rating. I don't know if this is all just sounding like uh, calculus or something like that, but I found the stuff interesting. Nonetheless, uh, it appeared there was growth for the Rousey Fox number uh, match. But I would say it was not at the level I was anticipating. I thought this would crack three million viewers overall, just for the interest level of having Rousey on that first uh, match with Alicia.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. I think I think
0: more more curious is you know how much of the people that ended up watching will be converted into network subscribers or those who might be curious into checking out SummerSlam. Um, and yeah, in the end, like you know, like we discussed, I felt like it was just a big commercial for Ronda's match at SummerSlam. And ultimately, you know, uh, that that I I feel is the the bigger deal.
1: You're right. It's it's something that we should always, I think, look at television viewership as like sometimes we just get so much in the weeds of these numbers. And what what are these extra eyeballs doing? Are they just simply sampling a three minute match and then they're never going to tune on any WWE programming again? They're not subscribing to the network. They're not buying any merchandise then that viewer is kind of useless if you're not getting anything out of it. That's essentially television viewership in a nutshell. It's great to reach as many people as possible, but it's also converting those viewers into paying customers that are going to become fans of your product and not just simply stop in and never give the WWE a, a second thought afterwards. Big news for you, Wei. E! has announced the renewal of Total Bellas for a fourth season. Uh, no date yet. But they will be back. We have Total Divas coming back in September. And now another season of Total Bellas. Have you begun to even thought think of the many different uh, directions they can go with these characters in Season 4? And are you surprised that they are uh, coming back for another season?
0: No, not at all surprised. I feel the last season was a successful one for them. And uh, I think there's probably a lot of curiosity about uh, where Nikki Bella... Um, where her love life will continue as a single person, perhaps. So,
1: uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. We've also got the may young classic that is going to be starting on Wednesday and concluding on Thursday. They'll be hosting this 32 woman tournament. Uh, from what I understand, the commentary team is going to feature Michael Cole, Beth Phoenix, and Renee young as the three person team, uh, calling the matches. Um, So that will begin on Wednesday. And if anyone listening is attending, we'd love to hear any uh, results or uh, send us a report if you're going uh, at Full Sail University. New Japan Pro Wrestling issued a statement regarding Tamatonga, and said, quote, New Japan takes action seriously by our wrestlers in light of recent inappropriate conduct by Tamatonga, including SNS usage, I guess related to his his online uh, use. The company has decided to take disciplinary actions against said wrestlers and will issue updated guidelines to all wrestlers. Mm-hmm. This sounded more as though they were talking about his actions online as opposed to anything involving that fan, although maybe they're talking about just, in general, uh, some of his action. But uh, this sounds like Tamatonga is upsetting his employers with some of his actions. Now, what exactly are
0: the actions that they're referring to? Uh, they're online. being very
1: vague. Yeah, they're not. Um, whether it be, I mean, he was actually um, kicked off of Twitter for a few days. Like, he was put in, like, Twitter jail and then, I guess, reinstated. Um, and yeah. and I, I, I don't know beyond that what, uh, I, I don't follow his uh, his day-to-day tweets uh, and what he's been doing. So, I think uh, what a lot of people are suggesting
0: is that this might be actually in retaliation to Tamatanga posting a video of himself littering on the okay. Japanese subway on the, yeah, on the we're... Japanese railway system, which is a big, big no, no. Of course, in Japan, Japanese culture, everybody not only, uh, takes, takes care of their garbage. Uh, everybody's responsible for themselves. And here, Tama healed that he is decides to just post a video of him picking up, uh, or I believe it was some type of chocolate bar or something like that. He's eating it, tosses it, and then walks away right past the garbage bin. So, yes. uh, it would be quite the amusing uh insight into i think uh new japan management if this was the thing that got him into trouble and not what he did to that fan uh on that last show
1: yeah i think speaking from a north american perspective you would assume that the incident with the fan would be the the major incident but i mean in japan it's You never want to embarrass your company. And we saw that incident a number of years ago with uh, it was Bram, right, who was in the convenience store and posted a photo uh, where he was just being, you know, acting like a silly wrestler and ended up getting sent home from this tour as a result of it. Like that's something they take very seriously over there is just creating any kind of a disturbance in public and embarrassing uh, your employers, which you're representing at all times. I guess so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's uh it's just sort of a strange um
1: I I don't know. It it's it's very strange to me. Uh and just quickly here, we have uh the latest all in announcements that we'll talk a bit about more on the double shot. But we have the addition of a four way women's match with Madison Rain, Britt Baker, Tessa Blanchard, and Chelsea Green, and the addition of Jay Lethal. Who is going to defend the ROH title on the pay per view portion against the winner of the over budget battle royal? Mm, okay, cool. So that card is almost full at this point. We have the Kenny Omega match still to come. Uh, a lot of a people, a lot assuming it'll be Pentagon. But outside of that, like you've got a pretty loaded card at this point. I don't know how much more is going to be added or at least announced beyond what they've announced so far. I imagine it'll be Omega's match and that'll be it. So that is just some of the news items from today. You can go up to postwrestling.com, read about all of those, as well as all the other wrestling news that is happening. But now let's move over to SmackDown, which went down on Tuesday night from Orlando, Florida, at the Amway Center. And show began with Randy Orton coming out. And Orton cut a promo, asking the fans if they still believe, as they showed the attack on Jeff Hardy from last week. And Randy has said that he's going to become so violent that you will want to change the channel. But you're not going to change the channel because you people still believe in superheroes. And Jeff isn't going to come to save the day because he erased the enigma. And he's going to erase every superstar that the fans respect. And he doesn't receive any respect from anyone in the back. He was once the youngest in the locker room, the youngest champion. He's won 13 world titles, lists off all of his accomplishments, and he goes back to his keyword, word, erase. He's going to erase every star that they choose to believe in and says that you can call Randy the three most destructive letters, R, K, and again, just throws the mic away and leaves. And that was all of Randy Orton on this show. I thought we would have much more involvement with him in regards to Shinsuke Nakamura. There was no Jeff Hardy on this show. It was just this Orton promo that was self-contained at the beginning of the show.
0: Mm-hmm. And the promo itself, I thought was very good. However, I feel like I was disappointed in that he didn't really say anything new, especially nothing that he didn't really say two weeks ago when it felt like he cut this exact same promo when he came back. So, you know, good delivery. I found it pretty low on substance, though, unfortunately. Uh, And I'm still kind of a little puzzled as to what his role might be in this whole Jeff Hardy Shinsuke Nakamura feud at SummerSlam.
1: Yeah, so over the weekend, they announced Shinsuke Nakamura versus Jeff Hardy for the U.S. title, and I think every single person that read that assumed that Orton's getting inserted into this match, and probably still assume that, but there was no no movement in that direction on tonight's show, so we have one week to go to, I guess, solidify Randy's spot at SummerSlam. I could see him not
0: being inserted into that match and just kind of figuring into it somehow as a as a as a tease you know uh of 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 something that he might do to to interfere um which i think would be a bit weak because i feel like randy orton's been incredibly hot over this past uh several weeks and him missing out on a match in SummerSlam, i think would be a bit of an oversight
1: yeah i would i'm not clamoring for any more three ways but i mean randy orton to me is uh much more interesting being involved in with one of those uh, people, especially Jeff, than Nakamura and Jeff Hardy having a singles match at SummerSlam that I don't think anyone would be believing there wouldn't be a run in for involving Randy Orton, but we'll see what they do. Uh, perhaps Randy can have some giant stunt where he takes a big bump and then he goes out of his mind and he comes up with a new uh, a new gesture and starts getting fans to chant a race. A race, a race. Yeah. And that's his new character. Mm hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that rolls off the tongue quite as well. No, not exactly. Becky is with Charlotte backstage and they're awkwardly talking over one another. Charlotte said last week she wasn't trying to ruin Becky's moment. They just want the same thing. And Becky notes that the hill she has to climb at SummerSlam just got a bit bigger and now there's a big blonde boulder in her way. And then they say, so we're good for this tag match tonight? And Becky says, Well, we're not Sasha and Bailey. Ha <laughs> ha ha. Good line. I like it. I guess they haven't caught up to modern Raw. They must be behind on their DVRs because they're not aware of their current situation on Raw.
0: Could be, but maybe even they don't buy it.
1: Oh, so they see through them. Mm-hmm. Does that mean if they can see through Sasha and Bailey, can they see through each other? And that they realize that a they're on a collision course, Charlotte and Becky. Uh, but they're on SmackDown, so I think they could depend on the writing to be a bit more, uh, you know, <laughs> tight. So Charlotte and Becky teamed up, took taking on the Iconics with Carmella on commentary. Uh, Royce and Kay came out and they did a word association, calling Orlando the saddest place on Earth. Maybe Impact would agree. Uh, Charlotte overrated and a bad dancer, who also lost to Carmella twice. And then with Becky, they pretend that they can't even see her, and then they point out that she's in the same place she will be at SummerSlam, in Charlotte's shadow. Which I thought was a clever line, the way they set this up. Uh, I really... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and they just called her a bridesmaid and never a champion. I think these two are just so great
0: in this type of role. I think they they essentially kind of play, you know, Cinderella's evil stepsisters, uh, like all the way down to just taunting her about her insecurities. And Becky is, in this case, is Cinderella. So uh, the
1: Iconics, I feel like, fulfill the roles really well. Uh, Charlotte and Becky laid them out. We went through a commercial, came back, and Charlotte and Kay knocked each other down. Becky and Peyton Royce were tagged in, led to the disarmer. Billy Kay broke that up, and then Charlotte tagged in, hit a moonsault to both, with the announcers bringing up that there's Charlotte stealing the thunder. Uh, actually, it was Carmella who used that line. And then she followed with the figure eight, applied to Royce, and Peyton Royce tapped out. Hmm. Um.
0: I like that they were doing a lot of great subtle stuff here. Once Becky lost, I mean... Or sorry, once Charlotte won, Charlotte is all smiles and Becky is trying to force that smile, but you can tell she's disappointed. So uh, again, I'm really happy with the storyline so far.
1: Yeah, I think Becky is playing the role very well. The match was kind of just there. It was more just a backdrop to focus on Becky and Charlotte and the iconics were just the two other people in the ring. Renee Young was backstage with The New Day and Kofi Kingston put on this blonde wig and morphed into Kramer Kingdom. So he's taken this, this announcer's voice that he's been doing on commentary, and now it's a full-fledged character. And he proceeded to interview Woods and Biggie as they cut promos on The Bar and The Bludgeon Brothers, and it got to the point that Kofi Kingston nearly cracked up laughing at the end. They panned over. Renee did not have the same kind of resolve. Uh, she had just lost it and was laughing at all of this. I thought this was great. This was a lot of
0: fun. I want to see more of this Kramer
1: Kingdom. Uh put him in a, put him on Raw in the commentary team. Maybe he'll be on commentary for the Summerslam match with Woods and Big E in the match. Very possible.
0: I mean I don't know if I actually can take a whole match or a whole episode of, of this thing, but I think once in a while for Kofi to, to bring this out, it's a. I didn't know Kofi had this talent.
1: He is a he can't do everything, that guy. They aired the mid segment that they put on WWE.com earlier that day, and he's gone through his agents and he confirms that Daniel Bryan will have his match with him at SummerSlam. Which is quite the turn. Last week he was he was against us, and this week he it's all come together. That's that easy. I guess that's the kind of negotiating that goes on in the WWE. They may they make the big match happen. They don't have all this back and forth and guys going on, uh Ariel Helwani show complaining and wanting more money and not being willing to fight this guy. They just make these matches. They have intermediaries, and they get it done. All within a week. No drama. Nothing. Charlotte and Becky are seen celebrating backstage, and Charlotte just says that she loves tagging with Becky. There's nothing like tagging with my best friend. But Becky says it's going to be different at SummerSlam. They're going to have to be great against each other. And they just had this awkward stare at one another at the end where they both realized they won't be teaming at SummerSlam. They'll be facing each other. I,
0: I Again, I like it. Um, you know, there's been some people suggesting that they might be turning Becky heel in, the whole, in this whole thing. I look at this story itself and I look the, at the amount that they're focusing on Becky and it just doesn't make sense to me. However, I see the way Becky acts in a scene like this. We're really, you know, Charlotte's doing it, not doing anything wrong. Charlotte's just doing what I think sh- anybody would do in her situation, take advantage of that opportunity and, and continue to prove herself that that, you know, she didn't just do her best. But Becky is kind of showing a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of envy, ter- character traits that I, I think aren't all that likable. So s- the
1: people suggesting that she might turn heel, I still don't think so, but it certainly is possible. They're providing all the motivation for her to turn, but I'm with you. I I don't even think Becky would be bad as a heel. I'm sure she'd be fine. But it but it's not what the audience wants. It's not what the audience wants, and it's so hard for them to truly harvest a genuine baby face that when you have one sitting in your lap, why fight that? It's it's so hard. Like, Charlotte does not have that kind of baby face reaction when she comes out and does promos. Um, to me, it's... Becky is I, I don't know why we, you would want to uh alter that, even if she might be a fantastic heel, yeah, I see all this, and i'm I'm starting to
0: think more and more that I think Charlotte will end up winning that match just so that we could see the reaction from Becky, whether it be congratulatory or maybe more of a uh you know jealous jealousy
1: a j Styles came out, and as he's on the way to the ring. Corey Graves brings up when he interviewed AJ for Superstar Inc. And on that episode, AJ explained the tattoos on his side where he's got the dates of his children's birth and explained to Graves that his children can be with him when he isn't there. And I thought that was just such a great story for Graves to insert here to kind of set everything up for this promo that we've had a week to anticipate AJ responding to this promo from Joe about him neglecting his family. Mm hmm. AJ said that a lot happens between the ropes, lots of trash talk, and sometimes it gets personal. And Samojo has made it personal by bringing up his family. He stated he wants to be one of the greatest superstars for his family and said that we all make sacrifices as parents. It's what we're supposed to do. And he is gone over 200 days a year. He misses Little League sports. He misses birthdays. It was his 18th anniversary just a few days ago with his wife, who is basically a single parent because he can't be there. And they show Samoa Joe watching backstage with a horrendous black eye. Styles then says that you want to be there for your child when they fall, when they scrape their knee. And what bothers him the most is that Samoa Joe knows his wife and knows his kids, and that's why it pissed him off. They once shared a cockroach-infested apartment and threw away their decade of friendship in seconds because of last week's promo. And he's not going to let Joe get his hands onto this title. Joe's going to be lucky to walk out of SummerSlam, period. And he ends the promo, and Joe is just seen laughing backstage. I thought this was a great promo from AJ.
0: It was really good, yeah. The subject matter was incredibly captivating, and I thought AJ's promo felt very real. Uh, You know, I'll say, though, that I feel somebody like the i think a lot of wrestlers would kill to be able to have a storyline like this because this is what wrestlers go through all of them they, you know any of them that have families at least where uh they they miss out on a lot of uh, their kids growing up so i think aj certainly did his best but i just couldn't help but think of a stronger performer like somebody like a dusty or a jake or even like a mark henry And what they could have done with subject matter like this. I I feel like AJ kind of failed to reach that real emotional peak that this subject matter kind of necessitates. Nonetheless, it was a very nice retort that I think did help deepen the layers of this rivalry.
1: Yeah, I mean, AJ is, is hardly Dusty or Jake. But I think that when he can actually hone in on something real, that's when... He has done some of his best work. And as much as the Claire Lynch angle is very much maligned, and rightfully so, the beginning of that angle showed a lot of promise. And when we've been able to see AJ attach angles to real-life subject matter, that seems to really spark something in him. And I think that's what they they got into here. Um, so I like the promo a lot um, as a comeback. And this hasn't been a... Very much overbooked feud going into SummerSlam. It's they've got a personal issue, and it's not it's not too wacky. It's not too out of the realm of believability. It's very believable the, to see these two have this personal issue going into this match at SummerSlam. So I've liked kind of the simplicity of this build up for SummerSlam. Me too. Lana was shown warming up. And Rusev appeared, admitting that he should be more supportive, and he'll be in her corner tonight for her rematch with Zelina Vega. The rematch nobody asked for. Lana thanks him, and then Aiden English appears, apologizes to both of them, and he is adamant that he had the right intentions, and he doesn't know who he is without them. So Rusev forgives Aiden. They shake hands, and then they walk to the ring, but he tells Aiden, no, you can stay in the back. And Aiden looks pretty annoyed. So Zelina Vega took on Lana for the second straight week. We had Vega choking her, and then Lana is throwing down and responded with a snap suplex. Audience was completely dead. Then Andrade distracted, and this allowed uh, Vega to hit a lung blower to Lana. Rusev goes after Andrade on the floor. This woke the crowd up. Vega then uh, kicks at Rusev, and it allows Andrade to throw him into the post, and Vega hits this leaping kick. Lana then climbs to the top, Aiden English runs down, and as he goes to tackle Andrade, he goes into the turnbuckle, and Lana awkwardly falls off the top turnbuckle, and takes the running double knees from Vega, who pins her in 3 minutes and 35 seconds. So yet again, this fool interrupts and screws up a match for Lana and Rusev. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Continuing to tell the story, which, you know, is, is a little predictable, but I think that's totally fine. All this made sense. I guess I just wish they weren't using this particular match to try to tell this story two weeks in a row. I just simply don't think Zelina and Lana are good enough together to be going mm, two weeks in even these brief five-minute matches.
1: What do you feel is the match at the end of this?
0: Well, I think it'll be All Miss Rusev, and then at the end of it all, maybe maybe Rusev and, and in English.
1: So this leads to a singles match at SummerSlam with Andrade and Rusev.
0: For now, yes. I think it's a bigger story that they'll probably keep telling afterwards.
1: Yeah. I could see them going the mixed tag direction, but I think they've really taken a lot of the wind out of the sails of involving Zelina and Lana, which is something they could have built up to that instead of you're just exhausted by these two after two weeks. Renee was with Shinsuke Nakamura. And they bring up the match with Jeff Hardy being official for SummerSlam. Nakamura then says, no, he's been erased. And Renee says, well, not literally. And Shinsuke explains that he does understand metaphors. So then Ty Dillinger and R-Truth walk in. And Truth says he wants a match at SummerSlam for the title. And when he's asked how he's going to do that, Truth says he'll do what everyone else has done to get title matches. He'll pin Carmella. And then Nakamura speaks Japanese, and R-Truth is greatly offended by this, and says he can't repeat what he said, and Truth says he wants Nakamura tonight. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so, the, you know, this continues this sort of mini R-Truth push, this, this revival of R-Truth, if you will, um, where I think he's been doing pretty well. I think his charisma has really been coming through. I think the writers know how to write for his character, uh, and... In ring, he's been looking pretty decent, too, in these short matches. So I'm I'm not opposed to seeing more R-Truth on SmackDown at all.
1: Byron Saxton was in the ring, and he went to bring out The Miz, who just appeared on screen because he is still on the set of Miz and Misses. He calls Byron a second-rate commentator, and Saxton brings up Total Bellas being renewed for a fourth season and asks if Miz and Mrs. can expect such success And Miz just laughs this off saying, we have way more viewers than Total Bellas. We're doing just fine. He also adds that they don't have one bad review on Rotten Tomatoes, which I'm pretty certain Miz and Mrs. uh, isn't even on Rotten Tomatoes. So he would not be technically lying uh, by the fact that they do not have a bad review. I don't think they have a good review either. He plugs the third episode tonight. And then Saxton brings up the history between Miz and Daniel Bryan going back to 2010. And Miz just cuts a furious promo saying he doesn't need a match with Bryan. Bryan needs a match with him. He's sick of carrying this subpart amateur. He's done sharing the spotlight with someone who doesn't deserve it. He's sick of being called soft. And when Bryan is the one who's been at home crying the last number of years, he's not hiding from Bryan. He's not hiding from anyone. He's going to expose Bryan. And Miz keeps going on when suddenly Brian appears on the set attacking Miz. He attacks the security guards. They're trying to pull him off. And then it ends with Miz breaking, I want to say, a potted plant right over Brian's head. This glass vase that just crushed Brian's skull and sent him down to the floor. There was no laughter, though, from the announcers. So they have learned in the last two years how to sell a glass being shattered over a man's head.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I thought good stuff here from The Miz. Two weeks to go, I do feel like it was time to escalate it into one of these types of brawls. Um, The setting is a little bit odd to me. You know, I I didn't know reality shows really had
1: sets. (laughs) Yeah, this is just a room.
0: Yeah, and I don't know how much of that was really necessary to try to sell all this stuff when they could have just done that same type of brawl, I suppose, uh, backstage or even out in front of the open. Um, But... Some physicality here and getting a brawl in between these two I think is good. I think, again, you know, this feud will really kind of maybe come come together when we start to see a lot of that older footage in this video package that hopefully they'll they'll show starting next week.
1: Shinsuke Nakamura, R-Truth, Truth rapped for his entrance, and Coy Graves says he understood more from Nakamura's theme than what came out of R-Truth's mouth, and he doesn't even speak Japanese. R-Truth also is wrestling in shorts. It is the summer. Mm -hmm. Truth fires up with a big splash, hip toss, and then Nakamura comes back with an insiguri. He went for this triangle from the side as he grabbed uh, Truth for an armbar. He broke it with a rope break, and then Nakamura followed up with knees, a guillotine, and then the Kinshasa. He won quick, three minutes, 14 seconds, just a quick match.
0: Yes, yeah, nothing really to it, um, but I do feel like, again, Truth is perfectly capable in these types of scenarios. He's well-liked by the crowd, and, you know, him losing in these five-minute matches doesn't really change change that about him at all. Like, he's pretty de- dependable in these scenarios.
1: Yeah, and to my surprise, no- nothing involving Jeff Hardy here, nothing involving Randy Orton. It was just a straight match, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really connected to the larger program. The Bludgeon Brothers cut a promo, uh, setting up the tag title er, tournament finals for later tonight, and they will break the winning team mentally and physically, and stated how fun this is going to be. And then we came back from commercial, the bell instantly rang, and the Bludgeon Brothers were in a match with Pablo Kozlov and Julio Rivera, referred to by Corey Graves as the Roman Reigns Starter Kit and Taz Jr. And one more person. Who was the
0: other one? There, there was a three three man team. A lucky lie or it might have been even lucky lie. Like which was of course Roman Reigns old gimmick in FCW. So, uh yeah, some some I would say maybe some parody names here in this There three. were
1: th- There were it, three guys here. It How was a,
0: th- it was a three on two handicap.
1: Oh, I didn't even I didn't even catch the third guy. I yeah. thought it was just two. Well, Roman uh <laughs> Roman Rowan Suplexed one onto the other, then slammed Harper onto them, and then they hit their double-team clothesline off the shoulders of Rowan in the, in the ring for the win in a minute 25. Just a quick squash, the highlight being the commentary. Yeah, it was an entertaining squash. Yep, these guys knew how to get killed well. And then we go to the main event. This was around 9.30 p.m., and they got pretty much the whole last half hour of the show. It was Sheamus and Cesaro against Big E and Kofi Kingston. The crowd was immediately chanting for pancakes, which Xavier was throwing out to them. Uh, Early on, Sheamus blocked a monkey flip, and they got the heat on Kofi Kingston, went through a commercial break. Big E got a hot tag and delivered a bunch of belly-to-bellies to to Sheamus, and then Kingston later came in. He hit the SOS, got a two-count. Big E went for a splash onto the edge of the apron, but missed going down to the floor. They went through a second commercial break, and Kingston eventually receives the hot tag, And comes in, hits the boom drop onto Cesaro, dives to both men on the floor, double foot stomp off the top, and then he gets cut off with a double team backbreaker. So they work over him for a while until he ducks a brogue kick, tags in Big E. Cesaro then knocked Kingston down, avoiding the midnight hour. Then they went for the super white noise, which wasn't timed all that well. Save was made nonetheless. And then Cesaro was left with Big E, used the giant swing to set up the sharpshooter, and Big E was in the sharpshooter forever in this uh, submission. He's fighting and fighting. Then Cesaro turns it into a crossface, and Big E is able to get to his feet, lifts him out of the crossface onto his shoulders. Kingston is tagged and comes off the top with the midnight hour, pinning Cesaro 25 minutes and four seconds, one of the longer matches you're going to see on SmackDown. And the New Day is victorious and going to face the Bludgeon Brothers at SummerSlam.
0: Yeah, contrasting this to, you know, the Baron Corbin Roman Reigns match on Monday. (laughs) I felt like this was a match that fully deserved its three segments in 25 minutes. I thought, I mean, this was a very exciting tag team match. All four men here looked really good. But I think Big E and Kofi in particular, really, like, they really came across as, uh, as two that I feel are quite underrated in ring. Because I think the New Day are so well known for their personalities. We often forget what these two are really capable of in-ring, and I thought both really showed it here. So uh, I was a fan of this match.
1: Yeah, the uh, crowd was really into it. It was a fun match um, and a very lengthy one too, going the to 25 minutes. The closing shot was of the Bludgeon Brothers on the floor uh, eyeing the New Day and their celebration and then just turning and walking to the back. So that looks to be our tag title match for SummerSlam, uh, yet another match official. And that was it. That was the close of SmackDown. Yeah, all in all, I would say this edition
0: of SmackDown felt like it was a bit less important than uh, SmackDown's of of previous weeks, in particular last week. Mm, Some decent storyline advancement when it comes to the the Becky, Charlotte, Carmella storyline. Samoa Joe didn't appear, but we got a nice retort from AJ. This, uh, sorry, that's my printer. God, can you hear that? Uh, A little bit. Okay, anyway. Uh yeah, and then a great tag team match to close the show.
1: Yeah, I thought this was just, you know, it was moving forward several programs for SummerSlam. This wasn't the best SmackDown, not the worst SmackDown. Uh f- really entertaining main event. I thought that was clearly the highlight of the show. Um I enjoyed the Orton promo, but was a little surprised they didn't kind of move that US title program any further than they did. Um the Becky Charlotte stuff I think is is working fairly well and Uh, The rest, uh, I can't say too much. It was like a bunch of filler matches um, to just fill out the show. And then that was SmackDown. So the SummerSlam card has largely come together and finalized. And it's going to be a lengthy, lengthy show when you figure that uh, Rusev and Andrade still have to finalize their involvement on the show. This is going to be. This this could be a 14 match show next week. 14 matches that they're going to try to cram in five hours yeah the kickoff is gonna be at five eastern. the main show at seven, and this one could very well hit midnight. It's possible, jeez, wow, so then more than what are we looking at seven hours this is like uh yeah i I feel they're gonna go well past eleven p m okay so you're you're looking at minimum six hours and mm-hmm. probably well above six so there you go that's that's what you can look forward to next weekend. So let's go to the feedback now, forum.postwrestling.com, where you can always post your feedback after our shows, and we will get to them. And we start off with our poll. How was tonight's episode of SmackDown? A scale of 0 to 10. And tonight, I believe Raw was a 5.2. Did SmackDown top it? It did, with a 6.43.
0: Which well, is I think, it. typically kind of low for a SmackDown, so 6.442,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed last week's much more than this one, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, I don't have too much to complain about this week's either. Brandon from Oshawa writes, This episode didn't hold my attention like the past few weeks have. I didn't like Orton pretty much repeating the exact same promo we did a couple of weeks ago. Styles' promo was decent, but he's not even close to Joe on the mic. Their feud is already better than the whole Styles and Nakamura feud. Our true shtick is just not funny. I've never gotten it with them. It's not my kind of comedy. The Ms. Bryan stuff was all right. This was kind of a stalemate episode.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. We go to Darren who says, I went to the show live in Orlando. Good crowd overall. The third deck was covered except for a small few sections, but otherwise looked to be full. The biggest pops in no particular order were AJ. This is where he debuted at the Royal Rumble in 2016. Becky, the mention of Jeff Hardy, Daniel Bryan, and the New Day, especially the victory at the end of the show. They did have some technical problems with the screens above the ring and the wraparound that kept going out for long periods throughout the evening that may have affected the crowd. Otherwise, a solid show that furthered many storylines. I really enjoyed the main event the most, as well as the miz Bryan interaction and the backstage segment with Truth, Shinsuke, and Ty. I haven't watched 205 Live in a while, but but it looks like Noam Dar is still on it for now. Dark main event announced by Paige during a commercial will be Joe and Orton taking on Hardy and AJ, but many still left after SmackDown went off the air. So, I think I would have expected Daniel Bryan to be a part of at least a Dark match. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they were; those guys were all actually there backstage.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, you would assume that. Uh, I mean, they could have done a pre-tape with Miz and Brian. I guess they could have. Um, but yeah, I, I guess you would have anticipated that they would have been there. And based on the time we're recording this and when this feedback was posted, I'm guessing Darren was one of those that also left during 205 Live.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah, because he posted this 25 minutes ago, like 30 minutes, like during 205 Live, basically. Yeah,
1: he could have been multitasking. Maybe uh, maybe Mustafa Ali was on the way to the ring and he saw, thought I could just pump out this feedback. Last one is Connor from Minneapolis. Another really solid episode of SmackDown. It seems like SmackDown is doing a good job of balancing all the current storylines, giving each their moment to shine. Even though I enjoyed the Orton promo last week, this week felt like diminishing returns. Charlotte and Becky's storyline continues to be very strong. I'm sure you've already talked about it, so I will just say the main event was really good. This show did its job advancing all the main storylines and setting up for what could be a very interesting go-home show. And yes, that will be next week, the final episodes heading into SummerSlam, where you would assume that everything will be locked in by that point, and we'll know all the variety of multi-person matches that we're going to get at SummerSlam. Uh, what do we have coming up later this week, why right? it's a very, very busy week, all building up to Sunday with the big G one finals. Yeah. So first of all, tomorrow
0: we will have a new edition of the British wrestling experience. Of course, that is up on their own feed. So do, do go search for them on iTunes, uh, stitcher, all that good stuff. And uh, the British wrestling experience guys will actually be reappearing on their own feed on Friday because they have a new interview Coming out with Dan Richardson, who is the head booker of What Culture and Defiant Wrestling and was also heavily involved with uh, WOS Wrestling. So they'll have a lot to talk about, uh, about a number of, of topics in British wrestling. Uh, up next is coming up in on t- Thursday. Uh, Brayden and Davey now are fully moved into their new house. I believe they're still looking for a name to call their new basement. So uh, maybe they found a name. Maybe not. We'll see. And then on the Post Wrestling Cafe throughout the week, we return starting, well, tonight with a double shot. And then tomorrow morning, Wednesday, is our next, actually, no, uh, correction. Uh, tomorrow's G1 review will not be available until later on in the day. I have some personal commitments, and John has uh, 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 um, generously agreed to delay our recording of the G1 Climax review uh, the second last night of B-Block action. And so do look for that
1: maybe Wednesday evening. Yes, Way is worried that he suffered an injury earlier in the tournament, so he's got to get it checked out and make sure he can uh, continue at 100% throughout the rest of the tournament. He's going to have to gut it through the final couple of days. But this is when you really, uh, you know, just ignore all pain and just go on adrenaline. That's what Way's going to do. That's right, yes. And then we'll be back, of course, for Friday and
0: Saturday shows, which will be uh, the Budokan shows, the finals of A Block and B Block so those will be the shows on the cafe on the free feed this weekend. We have our next edition of eggshells coming out. And then on Sunday, we have our coverage of the G one climax finals, which will be available on the free feed for everybody to listen to.
1: Yes. Yeah, so tons of stuff coming out this week that you can always grab at postwrestling.com. And if you want to follow along with all of the various G one shows this week, uh, go sign up post wrestling cafe.com uh, $6 a month gets you access to all this month's shows and you can go back and listen to all of the bonus shows we have done dating back to december so you can go check that out now yeah and that's oh, one more thing
0: john if you're a double double patron uh john and i this week will be trying something where uh i think for this week's video john and i will be watching kenny omega and kota Ibushi's first match at the budokan for dd ddt uh back several years ago i think it was 2012 when they had that last match yes So John and I will be watching that and we'll be reacting to it and hopefully uh, make a little nice video for you, for you guys, uh, for you double, double patrons.
1: Yes. The, the match that got Kota Bushi at least temporarily banned from Budokan Hall as he makes his triumphant return to the building this Saturday. Yeah. So lots of stuff to look forward to. We will watch that. Uh, that's it. Thanks to all of you for listening and we'll chat with you on Wednesday night discussing the G1 show from Yokohama.